Are you out there? It's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, we bring back Jeff Booth for a second time because we had such a great discussion with him the first time. We wanted to talk some more, and he was gracious gracious enough to accept our offer. Jeff is a Canadian tech entrepreneur. He's also the best-selling author of a book called The Price of Tomorrow, Why Deflation is the Key to an Abundant Future. It's got 451 reviews on Amazon, four and a half stars. Definitely highly recommend this book. We keep coffees in... Cop- coffees? We keep coffees in the office. We keep copies of the book in the office to hand out. But if you need to pick up a copy, go on Amazon, get yourself a copy of this book. It's absolutely a fantastic read. On this episode, we wanted to ask Jeff a whole bunch of questions. And I start off with this long meandering question that I thought was so intelligent and smart, but I ended up just talking for a few minutes in circles. But I was was trying to get the point across that inflation is occurring in our economy at different rates in different categories of things. So that's what I'll start off with. And then we go into a big discussion. I had like 18 questions for Jeff. We tackled like four of them. I just enjoy talking with him so much. And and one of the things that you should know, he is on one of the committees that advises the House of Commons in Ottawa. And I got his take on the most recent meeting and where he thought Canada was headed after being in that meeting. So listen to that. I think we get to that, um, you know, maybe 15 or 20 minutes into this episode. And we talk about other things as well. Like, uh, of course, we talk about Bitcoin, but we talk about real estate and where real estate plays a role in all our lives. Is it an asset class that we should pay attention to? And obviously, we are big fans and have a bias towards real estate. So I wanted his take on where real estate fits and what real estate does for all of us today and perhaps in the future as well. So we talk about that. We talk about a whole bunch of things, education. We also talk about how to set up your family for a possible monetary reset or a transition to a new system. We talk about central bank digital currencies and how that would roll out. And he clarified some of my own thinking on that and the way it would be rolled out perhaps is a little differently than I had envisioned. So absolutely great conversation. And listen, we rarely ever do this. I highly recommend if you know anyone in your life who's trying to figure out what is happening over the next few years, share this particular episode. Let's get Jeff's message on these discussions out there. So if you have someone, a a brother-in-law, a sister-in-law, a friend, anyone that you think could benefit from some of these discussions, please share this episode so we together can try to help as many Canadians as possible prepare themselves for what is going to be a rather interesting decade. So if you have anyone that you think could benefit from this, please share. And we're not trying to say this selfishly by any stretch of the imagination. We just want this information shared with as many people as possible. And if you are listening to this and you are thinking that you want to include real estate as something in your life, you can come to one of our web, visit one of our websites or come to one of our uh, training classes that we do virtual now as an introductory training class. You can get access to that training class and get reports and free copies of digital books that we put up around, I'm I'm stuttering all over the place here, around Canadian real estate investing off this website. It's it's www.rockstarinnercircle.com. That's rockstarinnercircle.com. You can get free copies of our books, reports, access to our videos. You'll get links to the podcast like this podcast, the Your Life, Your Terms show. And on that website, you can register for a free 90-minute introductory class where we share how we are using real estate, why we are using real estate, how we are creating cash flow with real estate, the areas of the greater Toronto area and Golden Horseshoe where we're doing that, and the strategies that we're using 
using for real estate today in the middle of everything that's going on, how we are using real estate for our own lives. So if you want to get information in that area, you can go to rockstarinnercircle.com to get that. That's enough with the intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are live with round two with Jeff Booth. And I was just saying how grateful I am to do this with you. If anyone's listening to this and hasn't listened to our first round, you know, I think everyone listening to this has heard you somewhere at this point, because I was just saying, I feel like you're everywhere and I feel like that's amazing. So if you haven't listened to the premise of Jeff Booth's book, The Price of Tomorrow, am I getting the title correct? Yeah. Price of Tomorrow. The Price of Tomorrow. Check out, you got to read the book, listen to some other podcasts and you'll get right up to speed. I'm sure we'll cover some of that here, but I'm going to skip ahead a little bit because I, I want to ask you some different questions. Sure. Um, so the first one's a little, a little long, my little setup to it. And then some of the other questions I, I'm hoping are very different. But the first one, if I was to summarize the problem that I see with uh, or, or what frustrates me with with life in the monetary system that we have right now is that to me, savings should go up in value. Instead, we have assets that go up in value and incomes that don't match that. That's kind of the overall problem. So then I talk to people about inflation and some people say, yeah, inflation is everywhere. And some people say it's nowhere. And I think I've heard you discuss this somewhere or someone, I can't even remember. I've listened to so much stuff, Jeff, (laughs) but I find inflation can be divided up because there are digital goods, which can be created very cheaply with automation and different kind of labor costs spread around the world. There are different things we can buy, like the, the, the computing power we hold in our hand in an iPhone. You know, how much, how much computing power would that, was that worth 20 years ago? What would you pay for that type of computing power? And the cost we, we get that for now is like tiny compared to what it would have been before. So, and, and, and other things that you can buy very cheaply that factories can spit out, you can buy things very cheaply. So that things are going down in price in digital goods of all different sorts. But then there's a next category of goods that are things like maybe food. And food is, a, you know, to buy a good steak to me right now is more expensive today than it was 10 years ago. But food overall gets subsidies. And the quality of the food decreases, in my opinion, over the last 10 and 20 years. So really, it's hiding some of the inflation that's in there. Then we have another category of things like houses and real estate and fine art. And because these things cannot be created easily right now, they are really going up in value or or the dollars decreasing. We can argue how we discuss that. But a lot of the inflation we see is not in digital goods and it's not in food. And we can argue about quality and, and subsidies in the whole bit. But it's going into things like houses and real estate because you can't create these things easily right now. And to me, things like fine art, gold even, and real estate have become monetized in that people don't want to keep their money in their savings because they know their savings is going to lose value in cash dollars. So they look for things like fine art, real estate, gold, Bitcoin now, right? And these things have taken on a monetary thing, especially real estate. And so the value of it's been driven up. And there's this one last thing of inflation I want to talk about. And I think it was Saifedean I heard say this, or it was Michael Saylor, or it was you. I can't remember. But to retire comfortably before, everybody's goal was to have a million dollars in the bank at 10% interest. You got $100,000 a year. 
right? And you're happy in your retirement. And now the way interest rates are, you need $10 million in your bank account at an interest rate of 1% to retire comfortably. So there's definitely been inflation in your retirement. And the reason I'm breaking it out like this, I think we have to look at things kind of differently before we get to your bigger deflation message. And my question to you in this long buildup is, do you think over the next five and 10 years, real estate or things like that will lose some of its monetization and come back down in value to just what the income and the expense, I'm talking rental properties maybe now, and maybe not people, we could, I guess we could talk about all types, but they'll just be represented for more of a truer value and not this kind of inflated value that has been forced on them by the monetary system. Did I ask too long of a question? Am, am, am I making any sense with you right now? <laughs> it was a long... You're making, a, you're making tons of sense. Your it, listeners can ask if it's too long a question. Too long, yeah. I guess yeah. my build my build okay. up to that is there's all these I, different things. By the way, the, what you're saying is it's really confusing for a whole bunch of people. And and, and that's that's really... So so they're seeing... They're not seeing what they would expect to see. You're, your savings should be... We were taught when we grew up... Uh, when I grew up, save save money invest that in invest that um, and your savings go up over time interest will compound interest will set you free that's no longer true right we have a, we've created a system that requires our savings to be worth less over time that's an inflationary system that we've uh, set up one one thing though I'd go back to the key premise uh, of, of the book on is is when you say when you think that uh, it's digital goods that are deflating and, and technology goods that are deflating um, or getting cheaper in price, it's just because they're getting in cheaper in fa price faster than the debasement of money. That's all that's happening. So it's it, it, so the rate of deflation in some of the goods is so fast because Google is free. Right. Your photos today are free. We don't buy them. You, you can't even measure GDP in your photos anymore. Right? There's no GDP. You have, so that's happening in all the digital goods. But that's a mistake people are making. They're thinking that the, the, the digital, so I would say, so they think there's these two economies, our, our real economy, which we can measure through GDP, and our digital economy. And the, the entire infrastructure layer of all economy is moving digital. So everything is on top of that. And, and so this, this conversation right now is on Zoom. We wouldn't have been able to have it before, right? But, it, but, it, but it's way bigger than that. So, so now if I, can, if I can work at home or I can hire people and work at home, wouldn't I hire the best labor in the world wherever they are? And that's deflationary. So it's massively deflationary. So, so when you think about that, you think, how is inflation, long-term inflation going to pick up in this? And so it's not. So you're going to have constant pressure on deflation. And what's happening on the other side, because it's going so fast, is the money printing is being kind of thrown into a hole. Um, and you're right. That money printing is when when you're printing so much money or debasing your currency or trying to debase your currency to try to drive inflation. Your um, some of the assets that will be a protection of value go up. So housing is a perfect example. But people and people rarely ask, and I think I said this on a number. 
for housing to continue to go up. Housing has only gone up over the last 20 years because there's been $185 trillion of stimulus. People don't ask the next question, will there be another 185 trillion over the next 10 years? And for housing to continue to go up, there has to be. There has to be. And, and, and otherwise housing will not go up. It'll, correct. It'll, it'll, it'll yeah. correct. But if it corrects, if it starts to correct and it, you start to see deflation, it, it'll feed back on itself and there will be a crash and the entire, and the entire monetary system will reset. So, so you know, perfect. This is exactly what I'm very interested in. So do you think that the government or the, or the banking system will sit on the sidelines and not try everything in their power to stop that? Or you think they will do everything in their power, but the forces are too great and they so will not. So they will do everything in their power to stop it. So but by stopping it, the, the, the problem moves. The problem, so, so, the, so is that, again, by stopping creative destruction in the, free, in, the, in the economy, creative destruction is just moved up to the, to the government and international monetary system level. That's what's happening. Creative destruction is happening there now. And that's, what's, that's why people are, uh, that are moving to Bitcoin. So the realize th this is going to break. It might not break tomorrow, there might be a whole bunch more easing and everything else, but all you're doing is blowing up the balloon bigger and bigger and bigger. bigger. And so this is really interesting to me because we got into real estate and started Rockstar Real Estate because we thought, wow, we kind of have a handle on some of why real estate helps Canadians because the way the monetary, this is, this is pre our understanding of a, something like Bitcoin or something like that. We're like, wow, this is actually an escape mechanism in a way, because if you can get good rental properties, you know, the monetary policies, the way the central bank set them up are likely going to benefit property and you mix 100%. in fundamentals into the yeah into the greater toronto area where you have you know canada on a whole let's face it we get an incredible amount of high quality immigration in here and then the population kind of moves into a, a big chunk of it into the greater toronto area they're going to move out to vancouver if i boil it all down they're going to move out to vancouver or toronto i know it spreads out through the country but a big chunk lands into the greater toronto area let, so you've me, had let these let kind me, of fundamental let, let me build on what you're saying okay so because this is an international game, it's not just people look at their own game, the kind of their own monetary game in their own country, but it's an international game. game. So everybody knows that the Chinese yuan has to go down in value. So what do you think the people in China are thinking if they're wanting to remove their, their, their risk? On Run it out, get it out, get, get it out of out, there. Get it out. Get it where, out. Where, where would they put it? Canada. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or real estate, uh, Australia's real estate, real estate all over the world, because it's been historically a really good store of value against money print. So it doesn't matter where the, the, where the printing is happening. These hot flows of money are trying to get and put it into a safer store of value than, than, the, than, they, than the currency. So that's, that's what's happening. So it's not just what you're saying, it's that too, but it's also attracting that international my There's layers. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Got it. And then I'm just trying to think for the, 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 the typical Canadian that's saying, okay, guys, like I just really want to protect my family here. And I guess this is maybe a little bit of me just trying to game the whole system here. I'm like, okay, you can own good income property because you know, the government's just going to keep throwing money into the system and that property will go in, 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 in dollar terms, it might go up in value, but you have to be nimble enough to control your assets and not be over leveraged in them and be aware there can be a sudden shift in the system and 
you better have some hard money on the side like Bitcoin because you're not going to be able to time that move really well. So you can almost play the existing system. I know this sounds horrible when I say play the existing system, but you can almost get into the assets that are in the old system, manage your debt very closely and carefully. And by the way, those assets like, like an income property create, in, create income for you, cash flow, which is important. But be aware that there's going to be this transitionary moment sometimes between today and let's call it 2030. Yep. And, 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 and something like that can happen. Does that thinking just sound crazy to you? No, that's exactly So you just wouldn't want to have all your eggs in one basket. So for yeah, got it. Yeah. over leverage, real estate is still a good store of value against this. Governments have to protect governments. I, I, I spoke to, I spoke to the house of commons finance committee last week. I was going to ask you, I was totally, yeah. Tell us everything. Tell us all the, all the secrets, Jeff, tell it, tell us them all. So what I would tell you is they are so far away from the root cause of this problem. It's it, it, uh, that there is, there is no chance that policymakers today do what's needed to get to the other side. And I wish I, I wish I didn't have to say that. Um, but I came away from that. Um, I came away from that really sad for what is going to happen, because the the, the impact of what you're saying, right, with the monetary policy today is this. Yes, there's a whole bunch of winners in real estate, but every side of that bet, if you're manipulating currency, it has a loser. There's a loser on the other side of that bet. It's not a one-way bet. And by the way. I'm a winner. You're a winner. We have real estate, we have assets. And the more assets we have, the more they go, uh, go up in value. But there's a whole bunch of losers on the other side of that bet whose rents are going up who's, or, 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 or real income is going down. And they're having a hard time paying for the food, housing, everything else. And, 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 and the government is stimulating like crazy and then saying, and then they're going to say, oh, we'll give you a little bit of money so you can pay for the prices that we've stimulated higher. And no one's asking where the money comes from. It's coming from our citizens. It's coming from, it's, it's coming from a, a, a class of citizens who are voting for those same politicians who think they're helping, that are hurting, hurting them immensely. It's so frustrating. But to, for, to get people to understand what you just said, it's so difficult, I find. And that's why I'm very grateful that you're out there sharing your message. I'm, I'm being very serious right now because what you just shared, I find you have to, you, it's really difficult for the typical Canadian or anyone in the world to understand that. And I can't blame them because you're living day to day. You have a family to take care of. You're working, you're buying groceries, you're paying your rent, you're paying for your mortgage. So I don't really blame anyone who needs to sit down for three, four, five months and read this stuff, which is why your book has done such a nice job of condensing that information. Yeah. But I find it, I find it difficult. Like I have to throw books at people to say, please yeah. read this and then hopefully you'll get it. And it's a difficult thing to understand. I just talked to, I, I won't say it today, but the, it is uh, on the podcast, but, but the message is breaking through to some, some people who are going to be driving this message forward. And, and it's not necessarily in the political circles. It is that message. It's not that, that the message isn't based on first principles and correct. Everything that I wrote in that book is still correct. And it's why it's playing out um, exactly as projected. <laughs> is because, Even faster than maybe you thought. <laughs> it, 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 
is because is because when you see the world kind of what what it really is, and you can you know what's going to happen next. So so from a from the money printing, but now just ask yourself this: you put yourself in control. You're you you're Trudeau today, or you're uh, the, the governor of the Bank of Canada. What do you do? Okay. I, yeah. Yeah. The, I agreed. Cause what do you do? So here, I have this question for you. Do you think universal basic income can be some sort of weird bandaid to get to the other side? Because even though the money has to come from somewhere, like I, I understand that, you know, there's no free lunch here. It's, it's not, you can't just give it out, but because we're stuck in a weird system to get to the other side, can there be this weird transitionary period where it's like, yeah, the system's broken. So let's put universal basic income out to the general population till we get to the other side. And I know, I don't think that, I don't think that's actually going to ever happen, but I think, I could think it, it? Will. I think, I think it will happen. And I don't think, and because, because, but will it happen for that reason or just like a different reason, just to satisfy the uh, population that's like, Hey, things are crazy. It's, you know, it's, it's satisfying. I'm it's, talking it's, about using it as a strategic thing. Like, okay, here's UBI and then we'll get to the other side. But that, but while we're giving out the UBI, it means we have to restructure things to get to the other side altogether. So, so UBI makes the balloon bigger, right? So so by restructuring that way, you're making the eventual fall worse. Um, because where does the money come from? So, so right now, if, if you're a central bank, you can actually create money out of nothing. It's just a ledger entry and you can lend it out, right? And you make essentially a usury interest rate. <laughs> You can and, and, and it's a it's a brilliant business. It's a brilliant, a brilliant business. <laughs> but, but, but that that whole function of doing that is kind of creating inflation. So then, what is inflation? Right, it's a hidden tax. If you own assets, inflation your your assets go up in, in value as a re result of it. But your cash goes down in value. So people people working for wages that don't own assets they get killed. By inflation, so when you hear government saying we have to drive inflation, hear that you're driving that that divide into society. Now, so now, so now, take UBI with money we don't have. Right? There's no possible way the government could ever pay back its debt today, so they have to hide more of it in inflation. So you take more money to try to create more inflation, and you drive that divide way bigger. In fact, you're, all you're doing is consolidating all power in government instead of the free market. I was just hoping that there's some weird way that maybe we could use the crazy policy like that to somehow get to the other side. But yeah, I obviously I agree with everything you're saying. I just, it just seems like the fact that you're saying from the meetings you you're just having that, you, you know, the politicians don't see the size of the problem, that it feels like it's going to be a rocky transition. And I think that's where I come, I come from. I'm like, okay, I want people to own income streams. And even if real estate's benefiting from an old system, it'll create that income stream for you. And if you can use it correctly, you can put some of your savings into something like Bitcoin. And then you're kind of like walking both lines, right? You have assets that are benefiting from the old system and you've put yourself into the new system. What do you think about, about that? That's, what, that's exactly what I would think. So, so you want to, you want, Bitcoin is a lifeboat away from this, uh, from what's, what's happening. And, and it will likely peg a new system. 
what's going to happen. It's going to, and, and if, it, if governments don't peg to it, which would be the best transition. So for on this transition, through, imagine that, imagine, use a business, use business terms, right? I own, uh, I'm all in, I only own Blockbuster. I see where Netflix is coming, right? Wouldn't I wanna own some Netflix? As a hedge against uh, as a hedge against blockbuster for when it all collapses, that's Bitcoin today. So so that's Bitcoin in our, in our financial system to, today, and and so and what will happen over time is a system very very rarely change. Even in the book, I was super hopeful. Now this is pre-COVID, pre everything else. I was super hopeful that this this conversation globally would be run up the flagpole way faster. And that you could figure out a transition, so the existing system could change itself. That's what I—that uh, was—I was. I am not hopeful at all on that. Anymore. Really? So you don't think any? So in in the political arena in our country or anywhere, no one's reading your book, or just the incentives they have in the political system that we have—it just doesn't make sense. Like they can read your book and understand it, but to get reelected, they don't see any value there. So it's like, ah, who cares? So so let's just. How do you, uh, let, let's see, go back. Now we're way off track on my questions, by the way. Let's go back to the question that I asked you. What would you do? Because if you, if you let, if you didn't print money right now, you would have an asset prices collapse, real estate prices, banking system, the banking system worldwide would stop, stop worldwide. If you didn't, if, if governments didn't inject more and more liquidity and not just the liquidity that they're talking about now, more next, more next, more next. If that stops, the whole thing resets. The whole thing. Yeah. So, 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 what would you do? You're you're given this choice. Your your central bank, uh, the 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 bankers are telling you, no, we got they could take interest rates down. We have to ease because otherwise the whole thing resets. What would you do? And people and people one after another, the same committee meeting that I'm in in the House of Commons, one after the other, everyone else hand out i need money otherwise this fails otherwise this fails one after another so all they see all day long are more and more handouts and then there's this crazy jeff guy that says uh we're going yeah to let's away. feed everybody some medicine <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so so i understand the i understand where policymakers are stuck they've they've painted themselves into a corner and it's impossible to get out that's why i said that it is highly unlikely that they stop printing. Highly unlikely. Could Canada by some chance get somebody in politics who would say, hey, we have a lot of energy burning in Alberta. Let's put a, some of these, you know, Bitcoin miners on here. We have a lot of wasted energy here. Maybe Canada, I guess even that's because then I'm thinking, okay, they can still give all the handouts they want, but then maybe Canada can create some old of their own reserves in Bitcoin. We have a lot of energy sources in this country. Maybe we just then on our balance sheet, just, just on our balance sheet for ourselves as a country, and I know I want the whole world to be successful, but now I'm talking about Canada for a second. Maybe we just mine some Bitcoin. I know Alberta is is hurting right now in a bunch of different ways. Could we do that? And wouldn't that be kind of cool? I'm yeah, way off track, be, Jeff. I'm way off track, yeah. but I just just I'm just throwing so shit against the wall now. <laughs> so, but but, that, but that's it. That when I use that blockbuster example, blockbuster Netflix example, wouldn't you want to invest in the, in what's coming? And, and having so and that's the same for every single person investing in Bitcoin as a lifeboat away from the economic storm. 
what is true for every business. It should be true for every business and it, tr it should be true for every government. The faster they understand that, the faster, the easier the transition will be. So, but you, so yes. Cause it, could that maybe be something you bring up to them? Because I think at the individual level, we can all put ourselves on the Bitcoin standard. You can create some income streams, career, if you love your career, yeah. build an, your own business, right? Be an entrepreneur, buy some income properties, if you want, what, whatever it is, buy some Bitcoin as the life raft, you know, as you're saying. We can put our businesses in ourselves, but as a country, that would be a great idea. It's up to you, Jeff. It's, the, <laughs> it's up to you. Get out the cape. Get out so, the cape. So here's the thing. There's your some of the listeners of your show probably have done the research deep enough on on Bitcoin. You have, but if you talk to a general audience, there's one in a hundred, one in a thousand really understands kind of the power of what this is and where yeah. where it goes. And so, so it's just really early. I think that I, this is this this is going to happen. It's going to happen any in any event, but it's just still early. Okay, let me get to yeah yeah, and 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 I guess. I'm just trying to think of that. I guess I'll, I'll move subjects, but I'm just thinking like when the telcos, when the internet kind of, cause I'm trying to use a, an example that I can see historically. I'm like, okay, when the internet kind of disrupted the telcos, they really tried to hang on, they hang on. And then all of a sudden the internet just said, forget it. And the telcos kind of adjusted by selling internet instead of selling land phone lines and stuff like that. So the transition can really disrupt industries. However, people can adapt and industries can adapt. So I think anyone listening to this, there could be a, a monetary reset of some sort coming our way. But I think in general, human, you know, we can all, we can all adapt to it as well. So I'm so, trying to paint a rosy yeah. picture. And even as yeah. I'm saying it, Jeff, even, even as I'm saying it, I got to tell you, I'm like, Jesus, this, is, this sounds serious. Yeah. So, so there's a monetary reset coming and, and the monetary reset is if you pre pretend Bitcoin wasn't there, how is this normally solved? Right. So, so throughout history, you see governments debasing their currencies and getting more and more into the currency game. And then it's, then it's typically solved through uprisings and wars and then a reset. That's what, that's what, and why? Because you divide, there's a whole bunch of winners created by the inflation, all of the asset owners and a, and a massive amount of losers that don't have the assets and the losers come and take the assets back with pitchforks. Um, and, and so, so, look through 2000 years of history and see that you can, over you're right. So, you're right. And, and, so, I, and I, so without Bitcoin, that is so i actually believe that bitcoin is actually the only chance for a peaceful transition it it might be you're right and and i think part of the reason that maybe bothers me a little bit and frustrates me a little bit is i feel our own what we've been trying to do to help people has been get an everyday Canadian to get an income property to kind of give themselves some security. And some of them have done really well over the last few years. Of course. And I'm like, those people could be villain. We've talked about this briefly last time I chatted with you, yep. could then be eventually villainized for yep. those same, but all they did was try to protect their family and do the right thing in the system that really gave them no options. And then it's going to do a 180 on everybody and they're going to, they're going to be the asset owners and the pitchforks are going to come. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, those were the people that were just like everyone else that saw the way the game was structured. They're not the enemy. Yeah. Or, or government to keep it going has to turn on them and say, we're going to tax this at, a, uh, at an ungodly rate to be able to redistribute your income to those people. That's what uh, that, that's when I said when I said this path that we're on, 
moves into total government control of, of industry. It's not a free market at all. Once you start manipulating money, there's, and think about the barbell here. Think about the incentive structure. So you, as you say, uh, interest rates are zero. We're going to take them negative. Any CEO in the world, or you're talking about real estate um, or anything, but, but why, why would I put my money out? I have to take my money out of the bank because the government has said, I'm going to destroy your cash. So I have to put it in an asset. I have to get it into something else that, that gives me income or re return. You're manipulating policy. Policy. Same thing for, same thing for a CEO. You're CEO of a business, and you have a whole bunch of cash on your balance sheet. What that would say to the market is, you're not the CEO for very long, because because the government has said, I'm destroying your value of cash. Why would you hold cash on your balance sheet? So that is so that so those CEOs buy back their stock because it's the best thing they can do with that cash to increase the returns for their shareholders, and are left vulnerable when any single hiccup comes to the market and they have to go back to the same government to bail out for to protect all the jobs and so it, you've 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 created system systemic risk in the entire system by ch chasing unnaturally inflation to hold it together and you're making it worse at every different step not bad people everybody is just making their own decisions to try to protect themselves in a system that's driving inequality. The system is broken. It's making rational actors do rational things. Rational in that, things. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's making the yeah. best rational no, I decisions. totally get it. I totally in, get in, it. Yeah. In a system that's totally broken. And, totally. And so it's not bad people. So, so then, and that's the beautiful thing that Bitcoin does offer that outside your business. And if you do think you're going to be taxed, like I'll tell you, Nick and I, I think I told you before, but before March of this year, we didn't have any Bitcoin. And now we personally are very aggressive in, into Bitcoin and our business, our, our own treasury for rockstar real estate is very aggressive into Bitcoin. <laughs> so this is one of the ways as business owners, we're, we're looking at the same thing as you. I don't know how any of us are really going to avoid the taxes that I think are coming all our way. You know, on you're going to have to on, 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 on anything, on anything, yeah. equity in a property, maybe an excessive profit in a business. Like I think yeah. the government is going to be so eager for revenues that I think they're going to be coming in taxes in all sorts of ways that we don't know. Exactly. So you, yeah, you agree. I totally, I totally agree. The truth is though, that um, even the whole taxes, the taxes are, are there for a redistribution of income. Most of the most of the government revenue comes from inflation and creation, right? So it's a, so so is it, and when you can play this game and print money for nothing and hide it and tax citizens with a hidden tax through inflation, they don't see it. And and actually, ironically, if you just say. The thing on my book, what's, hap what's happened is technology is moving so fast, trying to make things cheaper and bringing a whole bunch of goods for free or almost free that they lose those tax revenues too. They lose the, the so, they, um, so, so for a long time, you didn't see that hidden tax, right? And my parents, their houses went up slowly over time. It was, it, we, we thought merrily around everything, everything works. Right. We're, we're in the system measuring all the results from the system. It's only until technology started to exponentially move that you saw 
exponential money printing on the other side, exponential debt creation and, and money printing on the other side. And now it's, now you can see it. Now you can't hide that from society anymore. People are starting to poke at it and say, oh my God, what's, what's happening? Okay, so that was uh, that was my first question, and got us off track. There, there's there. That was a half an hour on the first question here. I have another one for you that's kind of related. I want to get your your tech. I want to use your tech background for a tech question here in a second. But do you think central bank digital currencies somehow marginalize governments? Because if central banks can then be the ones who are putting money or dollars directly into citizens hands and commercial banks become customer service departments for that mechanism and they're really do commercial banks and the government somehow get marginalized and sent and central banks become the primary people we answer i don't, I don't want to say we answer to it sounds horrible but you know just have more power than they even do today can that so, can that can that so, happen so not central banks necessarily actually central bank effectively objectivity moves to treasury and government's control because because okay got it so you think it just becomes one almost because citizens demand governments to give them more money so so it's 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 it, that's where i say concentration of power in, in the governments when you talk about central okay digital currencies um today there's to, to why m2 is collapsed is because so the money velocity has collapsed is because no matter what today if a central bank takes bad assets off a balance sheet of a bank and holds them on the central bank and then gives them free good new money free money that they can lend out at the the banking institution still today is Good quality businesses to lend against. So, so why the reason? One of the reasons that the, the um, you've seen a collapse in M two is because there's not enough good businesses to lend against. So, so, so what central bank digital currencies do? The next step of this kind of treasury uh, hijack the independence of a central bank, and then and and then they become the government becomes in the distribution game. And so, but but it also at the same time, if you think about how that plays out on the existing system, which is a given, it will happen on the existing system. And then then it also means that the central bank, once you're on a digital currency that's uh, by the central bank, they could tack they could take interest rates to negative six overnight and pick your pocket. Right? But if you're using it, and and that's that is the power of it, but also. If you think about the, some of the watch the signposts that are happening right now, for the longest time, J.P. Morgan, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, all of these banks, hedge funds, and everything else were completely against Bitcoin. Why are they for it now? It's because their escape, they, Mac. They've been you know, they've been been the biggest beneficiaries of central banking policies because they've had access to the to the free money. But they can see the next step now, and the next step is their competitors. They can once the central bank digital currency comes in, and the and and the and the transfer mechanism to society doesn't need to be the bank. Then the bank, the banks, 
the bank is a competitor to that transfer mechanism because so far they've been the transfer mechanism to get that money to society through loans. When, when that isn't required anymore, um, the last part of the free market dies with a whimper yeah. and, uh, and, and, uh, and their competitors. So, so why you're starting to see all of these uh, central banks or sorry, not central bank, banking institutions starting to embrace Bitcoin is they know they have to. So, yeah, okay, fascinating. Because do you think then that everyone's fear about being a Bitcoin possibly, and I'm not talking about any of the other cryptos right now, Bitcoin specifically, wouldn't be outlawed by the government because the lobbyists from the banking sector will lobby hard to keep that particular Bitcoin you know, Bitcoin, free Bitcoin will not be. And is that, is that why though? Because you think the commercial banks will put pressure because they're, they're the donors. Let's face it. They're putting a lot of money into Congress in the U S and into our government here. They have to now, now you so I'm asked mutual yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, your first insurance, uh, insurance giant to putting in a hundred million dollars into Bitcoin. It's, it, so you were pa we're past the Rubicon we're, here. We're, we're past the Rubicon. Because that's a lot of people's. That's a lot of I think people's fear. Like I'm not really going to go because it'll be outlawed. And I'm like, eh, with every yeah. with everything I'm seeing, I think we're past that. But okay, sure. got it. But I never looked at it from that angle, which I appreciate that the commercial banks are really that this is their new world, so they're going to protect it, or they're going to do everything that are possible to protect it. They have the, they have the bullseye on their back. Central bank digital currencies yeah. no longer need a bank. Yeah. I was thinking central bank digital currencies almost marginalize government and the commercial banks, but I see what you're saying. If the treasury merges with the central bank, that becomes the mechanism. I was just thinking even crazier that, oh, it'll just be the central bank deciding everything. They don't even yeah, need the yeah. government, but I get, <laughs> I get it. It's the, it's the government that is the... the, the, the okay. Okay. So then I have another question for you. Do you think there's a... So right now, if I wanted to do business with you, I can incorporate a company in Canada. You can incorporate and our businesses trust that incorporation and we do we do business together, but I have relatives over in Croatia. I have friends in the U S wouldn't it be nice that I can incorporate in a jurisdiction that maybe was via a smart contract of some sort on a, on a distributed ledger of some sort with a, a, a layer above Bitcoin and some mechanism where I could have a contractual corporation, you know, a set of documents that you trusted in and I trusted in. And now we don't need a national jurisdiction to to do business together because i could say oh yeah you you know you're a corp as represented on this tech layer out on the network i'm a corp here we can start doing business together and almost supersedes kind of nations or the way we set up corporations now because i'm like that's a very interesting world because now i can transact a little bit differently and i don't think governments will necessarily like like that kind of thing but do you think that could be possible as a layer on top of bitcoin and i think you might know better than than me you know, I'm just learning about the Lightning Network right now. I'm just picking up on the Lightning Network and what's happening there. Um, so you think this is possible? It's happening. It's a, so, okay. So two, two, two paths right now. Governments um, peg to Bitcoin. And, and I know some of this to some of your listeners will sound crazy because it's, it's still out there some way. But, but I, I believe it's... I believe the probability is almost 100% that the government's either pegged to Bitcoin um, and then they could still have their own currencies on, on top and, and control the kind of access points to it. Um, and, and some of the innovation around the secondary level layer would slow down. Or 
um, and it, or governments band together to try to ban Bitcoin. And, and I, that's so improbable because they would have to agree on a fixed currency measure that, that, that look like Bitcoin to be able to do it in, a, in an environment today that is completely no trust. So, and I feel like it'd be a little bit like black-a-mole trying to keep it down, right? Because it would pop up in a jurisdiction that would still allow it. And then your whole game theory explanation comes into effect. But I'm taking you off course. Keep going. Sorry. So, so if you think about what, what some of the governments, are, World Bank, IMF, everything else, when you hear the Great Reset, think about that's what they're thinking. And do you think really pegging to bit, pegging to no, no, something? No. Oh, so oh. They're, they're not thinking big to Bitcoin. Got they're it. Trying to think we're going to create something and wipe the whole bunch of stuff out and, and keep the game going. That's what they're thinking. But Bitcoin's moving too fast. So, so if everybody got together fast enough, their digital currencies all came together fast enough and they could create the rules of the game um, it, fast enough, then, then there's, uh, again, super low probability but let's just say they they could do that really quickly and they they could fix society and everything else and then bitcoin would slow down <laughs> right yeah um, got it when i hear I, you say it like that i'm like yeah that's not happening yeah, not not gonna happen <laughs> right so that's why i say super low probability but yeah. I, it, it's worth talking about every totally yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so but even in that that, that environment what would happen is the second level of the second layer of Bitcoin, the lightning network and everything else and all the payment would the entrepreneurs trying to race to protect their value and in in this entity that is Bitcoin, thousands, millions of entrepreneurs racing to be able to, to do this would, would make sure it's a medium of exchange too. And, and so that made the, the amount of innovation that you don't see that's happening on the lightning network today or the second layer of Bitcoin and the payment processing onto that onto that is staggering. It is uh, look up Jack Mahler is. Uh, I heard you mention it. I think with Preston on his podcast, and I immediately I, I couldn't find that particular podcast. I'll look it up. It's a podcast where he's interviewed somewhere. Yeah, he's a, a, by Pomp. Uh, and, oh, okay, and got it. Yeah, okay, and, and Pomp is an investor in the company. So anyone listening to this will find that podcast and put it in the show notes here, um, yeah. along with links, Jeff, to your book and stuff. But we'll link to to that podcast. So if anyone, because the Lightning Network is just a layer. I shouldn't say just, it, but it's a layer on top of Bitcoin that's allowing a lot of other functionality to occur. Exactly. Exactly. Marty Marty Bent does a lot of good stuff on uh, on the Lightning uh, Network. The uh, and, and remember Jack Dorsey Square, they're going to be all over this as well. There's a whole bunch of innovation coming to to the secondary level uh, of Bitcoin. So today, it's the, the the primary use is as a store of value against gold. Right, it is a better store of value than gold. That's the primary first hill that's winning. The secondary use, if 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 governments kind of push hard and try to ban it, it'll move really quick into the, into society. Okay. So you, so, so this idea, so with this other innovation that's happening at, at, a, at a quick pace, you think there will be a time where we are transacting, doing transaction contractually at a, at a tech layer that maybe doesn't exist today, but could be in our near future. I, I, imagine, imagine having all of this capability on your phone. Yeah, I know. 
Yeah. It, 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 there's no there's no technology reason that uh, that it isn't. Now I know people who look at Bitcoin today and say, okay, the on ramps are hard, the off ramps are hard. I got to store this key and everything self. But that's where I feel like we're headed. I, I I'm I'm right because if you see the way the internet went from 1996 to 2006. Yeah. Like I would in 1996, I could barely load a web page. I think I was probably still using dial up in 96. Yeah, probably 96. Yeah, I think dial up 2006. I was selling software at NetSuite that went public for a billion dollars. Right. That's a 10 year. So from dial up to sell where, where people told me at NetSuite that nobody would store their accounting information in the cloud. Yeah. No one would do that. That, that was the, that was the objection. Now that's not even the consideration. So if we go, if we move 10 years from today, it's staggering. So that's why I believe what you're saying. If you had to, not that I doubt you, Jeff, that, not, not that I doubt you, not that I doubt you, but, but I'm on board. I'm on board is what I, what I mean. And so if you had to say, if you had to pick a time frame for a possible where, where, where governments, you know, things are priced in Bitcoin, if you had to throw a dart, could you, cause I, I didn't believe how things could be priced in Bitcoin in any quick manner until I started hearing, I think it was Marty Bent talk about energy. I, uh, um, some of these uh, data mining centers that are building um, mining kind of like a 10 foot by 10 foot rig of Bitcoin miners and putting them on like methane gas things in Alberta that are not being used. And then it just kind of hit me. I'm like, oh my gosh, when energy gets to be priced in Bitcoin, because the guys in China mining it versus the guys in Alberta, Canada mining it versus the guys in Texas mining it, they're all going to want the same thing to measure that energy cost. And then I'm like, holy smokes, the petrodollar system's at well, risk that's here. What, that's, what, that's what's happening, right? So the petrodollar system is at risk here. Which is like that, that's, and I believe that, and that's just such a huge statement. For anyone listening to this, the petrodollar system basically came into play in the 1970s when the U.S. made an agreement, I'm summarizing here, made an agreement with Saudi Arabia to say, hey, price your oil in dollars, we'll protect all the shipping channels and be the police of the world. I know I'm summarizing there pretty quickly, but, but that's, that's a big... Actually, that, that's, pretty, that's pretty good. And it's a, it's a way that the U.S. could control, the, have their currency back to around the world um, and the, a fiat currency taken at face value around the world without gold. So it was the next step after gold. They went off the gold reserve. And then the next trip is get everybody to price energy in U.S. dollars. Which was, when, when you look at it, it was a, a brilliant stroke. Like we can all argue whether the good or bad, whatever that was, but it was a, it was a definitely smart move. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if I had to ask you then, I just want to check the time here. I just, if I just wanted to ask you, if you had to throw a dart where, where things start, at the government level being priced in Bitcoin or energy level around the world, what, you know, if things are denominated in Bitcoin, just, or a time frame even. And, and I know it's tough because it could be slow, 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 and then it could be overnight. But, so but what, I, I think that's what's, ha what, what's happening. It's happening at a pace that's faster than, because remember one system, there's a, a lot of people make this mistake in business. They think two systems can coexist they can't one takes the other right it's, it's, it's so a lot of times a monopoly can work for a long time use use blockbuster netflix as an example mm -hmm. right or or use kodak and the digital camera as an example the systems can't coexist they uh, one becomes and arguably they could but one becomes so small or or take yeah we, that comes when, becomes meaningless almost when, when we grew up how many people said um why, why are we killing Main Street? Walmart, get out of here. But we went to shop at Walmart. 
yeah, like, uh, or yeah, Costco. Yeah, yeah good point. And, good point. And, yeah. and Main Street gets way smaller because the economics of distribution change and the economics of marketing change. So as as one system becomes bigger and takes most of our attention, the other one as a byproduct gets smaller. So if you think about what's happening with Bitcoin today, the system is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and it's tiny in the grand scheme of what the tiny right now, yeah, economy yeah, yeah. looks like, but but it's getting bigger and it's it is built on a network effect and it's getting more powerful and more powerful and more powerful. So at what point, and remember, as that's happening as a store of value today and more, more people are starting to trust it, the same thing is happening over on the other side to the exact, less people are trusting the existing system. And so the existing system, because less people trust it, has to work harder and try to try to print more. So this money that's racing into Bitcoin is being taken from the existing system. So, so picking the day that that changes, um, it's too hard to pick a day. But what I can say, it's already written in stone. It's going to happen. <laughs> so anyone listening to this, so, so someone who's maybe new to this or thinking about this for their family. I have next time I'm going to ask you more than three questions. I promise you, because I feel like I have all, I have all these questions for you. I'm getting through none of my questions, but I, I enjoy the conversation so much. So I appreciate it. Um, is someone listening to this, what could they do from an education point of view, whether they're young? Yeah. Let, let's take somebody coming in, you know, a young adult coming into the, you know, into the workforce in the next few years, maybe they're in university right now. We can all talk about whether university, the education system and all that. What would you think someone should do to prepare themselves for the next 10 years? Is it, is it get educated in a certain thing or, you know, be resourceful, just general principles? What, what would you say to somebody who's in their twenties right now and to prepare for this world? Curiosity drive and thinking first principles, realize most of the uh, most of the things you read, um, you'll want to read the things that you believe in, agree with. It's easier for your brain to to digest. And you feel smart when you read something you, you agree with. You're like, I need that. And you'll you'll hang around with a whole bunch of people that it'll feed back that same thing, and you'll be caught in a bubble where you might not look deep enough. So the thing, so the things that that um, so. Why do you know something is true? Because somebody else told you or because it's true? So use this inflation example. Why is inflation good? There's a whole bunch of people that think inflation is good and the government's going after 2% inflation is a really good thing. And they've never asked the question, is it good and why? So they've never done the work to be able to say, to go down the rabbit hole to understand. For people that are willing to do that and understand why, why, why in first principles, and then understand, okay, now I know, not I guess, not I have an opinion, I know for fact, <laughs> this is the way things look, and that has a whole bunch of consequences. Those people, those people control the world. Those people can do anything they want. Yeah, you're unstoppable. You're yeah. unstoppable because you're, you're learning at a rate that is, uh, that's incredible. I've said this on a couple of podcasts. Education today is free. Um, it's already free. The, uh, the, we just don't know it's free. So we, we go for 13 years in school and then another four years and then another uh, four years. And why do we do that journey? Because it's an archetype of a past that we think we're going to get a better job at the end of that journey. Where today, with an internet connection, you're in, if you have drive and drive determination, curiosity, 
um, you can learn anything. Like this content you're putting out is free. The uh, the um, and the people could disagree with the content or kind of ask that content go deeper and deeper and deeper and kind of find. But you can get to the best professors. You can get to the best the PhDs, all for free today, if you choose to put your time there and learn. So learning is still critical. A learning rate is is really great. What could you do? You could do that. Um, on that path, you'll see how fast technology is changing the rules in every business. Um, and I'm wildly excited about some of the businesses that I'm involved in and that, uh, that when you know how to construct businesses that create value, and remember the only way to, for a business is to succeed is it has to create value for society. As it should be. As it should be. So, so when you know how to construct that and use technology to be able to, to kind of go against the grain where everybody else is, you can create crazy value for people and crazy value for yourself or your business as a result. One of my businesses 18 months ago started sales. It's doing $10 million a month right now. There's another, another company I'm chairman of in, in food security and food. Uh, look up Cubic Farms. Look, watch what- I think you watch, mentioned them before actually. Yeah, is it going well? Watch, what hap- watch what's going to happen. Watch what's ha- happening. Just watch- Cubic Farms is the ability to grow. Uh, well, can you summarize it instead of me trying to stumble through it? So, so again, most, most of food risk comes down to giant supply chains where you have to have giant track farming, high pesticide use to make sure the far- farm doesn't fail, low cost labor, to be able to pick this and really low margins against environmental damage and everything else to be able to get our food to us. And so there's a whole bunch of fragility in that system. So th- this, th- this company invented this technology that can drive commercial scale farming in a container, they call it a cube, um, and they can localize it for cheaper than all of that, but way higher quality, no pesticides, anything else, abundance. And, and so, so what's happening as a result, it's still early, it's still relatively early, but this is a public company. Watch it, watch what's going to happen. Can you um, tell us one other company that maybe, I don't know if you want to release a name, if so, but just something else uh, that to give something, uh, everyone something to think about, just a, a different one that comes to mind? You've talked to Addy. Uh, the, yeah. The, okay. That's another great one. Of course. Yeah. Another one. Um, but, but, but again, uh, technology companies that are, that are changing the rules to, to act, to use technology, to, to give people who were blocked out of something. So they essentially lower the cost you to be able to allow a whole bunch of people who couldn't participate into something, a way to participate. participate. And, and for anyone listening, just to jump in there, Addy, both Steve and Mike from Addy have been on this podcast, if you haven't listened to it, and they're opening up real estate investing where you can invest into a property or a, a project for as little as $1. And they actually cap the investment size to make sure mm-hmm. enough people can get into it, which is democratizing the ability to buy real estate and own real estate, which is like a few years ago, that wouldn't you wouldn't even think about that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, inc- incredible stuff that they're doing. Um, 
and, and Jeff, I'm trying to, I'm trying to slip in another question here. I'm just, yeah, I want to be aware yeah, of the yeah, time, ahead, yeah. but someone, so a family though, so young people, curiosity and, and, and kind of develop that drive and, 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 and keep exploring and reading and learning. I love that. What about for a family who's in their late forties or somebody in their early fifties who maybe is in a career, because we see some of that here, Jeff, where somebody has been in their career for a long time and they don't like what they see in the future. Maybe that industry is going to be crushed and they know it. You know, how would they prepare for the next 10 years? So to us, what we've been trying to help people do, you know, is to have this, you know, help them buy some assets that are maybe going to go up in value. And, 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 and then now when we learn about things like Bitcoin, share that Bitcoin message to have one foot into both worlds, as we discussed. That's one thing we try to do. And if, what would you, what Tom, would you share? The beautiful thing about what you do, the reason I said yes to your show again, is I believe you. Like you actually do care about people. And, uh, Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And 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 you do a really good job, right? The, for 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 a real estate player like yourself, to, that is to, to to look deeper and then also advise Bitcoin. Like the, not a lot of people. We've been told that. we're crazy. Yeah, people. Yeah, are. Exactly. Not, a lot of, not, not a lot of people do that. But you're right, and that's so. If if you're forty or if you're fifty years old. And you know you and you have a bunch of cash in the bank or RSPs and everything else, and you know it's being devalued. You have to get away from that devaluation somewhere. And 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 I think I said this on your last show. A lot of people miss this devaluation because they denominate their entire uh, net worth in a local current in one currency, and they can't see what's happening all around the world. And it's too by the time it comes, by the time the crazy devaluation takes place, or tax rate, or drop in asset prices, they're wiped out to zero. And, uh, and because it's an it is one currency. So, so you're just, just even what you're saying right now, real estate is still a safe place. As long as somebody will safe, be smart with it, be smart, be with, smart it. with it. Don't, Don't be all, the way, all in. Totally. Be, yeah. And, and, and it wouldn't be a safe place if governments weren't going to print, but they're going to print. Um, the, uh, and, and so, it's almost like we feel like we're in the real estate industry and we have to tell people, be careful, like do this. It's the smart thing, but also it's the smart thing for all the wrong reasons. So be careful. You, you know, it's this weird world that we, I feel like we're playing in. We're like, yes, do this, but be careful. Don't over leverage, watch interest rates. It's going up for all the wrong reasons. Be careful, but still do it. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's kind of crazy, but we, we, so I take that, we take that Nick and I both take that very seriously. You know, every because, investment advisor. Every real estate play, every it's a when money when monitor when money is being manipulated. Everything else is just a game. It, 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 it so so money is being manipulated. The entire system requires more manipulation. It's just a Ponzi scheme. One day the Ponzi scheme is going to end. Right? It, it's it's the biggest Ponzi scheme in our lives, yet we don't recognize it because we've grown up in that system. And it's uh, and it's getting worse and worse and worse, and we don't recognize it. And we measure all of our wealth and everything else from this system that's really a Ponzi scheme. And so, what are you supposed to do, right? You realize you're playing blackjack, you're playing roulette, and 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 all of this stuff. And don't be all in. Don't be all in on red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And what I appreciate about what you're doing, and I want to honor your on your time here, so we'll wrap here. But what 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 I what I appreciate about what you're doing is you're helping people open up their eyes so that they can see that next step and prepare for it now. 
And I know not everybody will be, uh, will be able to prepare themselves or will see what's coming, but that's what I really appreciate about what you're doing. So that I know how busy you are, you have a family and, and for you to take the time to come on our show, I really appreciate it. And I want you to know that the feedback that we got from your first episode, people, I think, uh, you know, people or some of our clients and the, the audience of this show, they really feel grateful that when you come on here. So I just oh, really awesome. want to th- I really want to thank you for that, you know, for sharing that you're a busy guy. You can be doing many other things. You're talking to parliament, you know, and then you're coming on our, on our show. So really appreciate that. So, uh, so Jeff, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap here. I know um, the price of tomorrow is available on Amazon. If you're in our offices here, we keep copies of your book here, Jeff. We, oh, hand, wow. we, we, we hand out your co- copies of your book. So if you're around us and you need a copy of Jeff's book, you can pop into the office here and we'll gladly hand you a copy of Jeff. I should be careful what I say. We might run out of copies on, on something like that. But if you're around us, we'll hand out. That's how important I feel this information is. But on Amazon, you can get Jeff's book on the price of tomorrow. And then um, can you just share where to find your, your website, Twitter, whatever you want to yeah, share? Pro- probably Twitter is the best at Jeff Booth on, tw- on Twitter. That's probably the best. Yeah, awesome. Jeff, thank you so much. Really, I really mean this. Thank you. Thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. Anything you need that we can help with at all, just please say the word. And right back at you. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Jeff. Hey, everyone. So hopefully you enjoyed that episode with Jeff. I always get a a kick out of talking to Jeff. You can follow Jeff on Twitter. I think he shared his Twitter handle at the end of that episode, but it's just at Jeff Booth. Um, So a great guy. He answers questions there on Twitter. If you reach out to him, just at Jeff Booth. Say hi. Tell him you heard him on the podcast. And uh, that'd be the best place to to follow him. If you want to pick up a copy of his book, you can go to Amazon and get that. It's called The Price of Tomorrow. So that's The Price of Tomorrow on Amazon. And if you are listening to this and you want some more real estate specific information, you can go to rockstarinnercircle.com for everything that we are sharing with different Canadians and working right here with Canadians in the greater Toronto and Golden Horseshoe area to get different uh, real estate, use different strategies on real estate and to create cash flow with real estate. So you can get all the information around that at rockstarinnercircle.com. That's it for this episode. Until next time, your life, your terms.